This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I was thinking for the last few days, especially for the last few weeks, we've been watching as a nation all the reports of this virus. We've been listening to it. We've been feeding on it. And we've been hearing a lot about it, and we're going to continue to hear a lot about it. But the role of the church is to be a light, and it's to be a light in the darkness. And so we interrupt this problem to bring you a message of faith and hope that only God can give. And so as we talk about that today, we want to talk about some practicalities and some faith and mixing those two together. There's options when we face threatening situations. We, uh, we have natural options. Uh, these are something that we're seeing a lot of. Some people, when facing a threat, they, they go into denial, act like it doesn't exist or refuse to acknowledge it exists. And of course, here in America, we have conspiracy theorists who don't even believe it's going on. They believe it's a, it's a government conspiracy. Uh, those are on the outer fringes, but denial is very real and, and people deal with denial. I think the biggest thing we're seeing right now, which is a very natural response, is the fear and panic. And the fear and panic is, goes into that instinct for survival, that, that fight or flight. And, and we see it. And I, we really, Joy was telling me she was in the, the grocery store the other day. She said the shelves are empty and people are cleaning them out. Now, I, I get Lysol, I get wipes. I get water. I don't get why toilet paper just got wiped out. I really don't, no pun intended, but I don't, I don't get that <laughs> as to why they, they're flying off the shelf, except it's fear. And people respond in fear and, and they, they, they act like, oh, there's, there's not going to be any. And so you see hoarding. In fact, grocery stores are, are coming online telling people, please leave some for your neighbors because there's panic involved. There's fear involved. Then there's a, a better response. It's the very practical or pragmatic response. It's a response that looks at things and based on observation and based on experience, not based on theory, people make decisions and take action. Now, oftentimes that action is helpful. It doesn't always come accompanied with hope. I think one of the best practical, pragmatic responses I can recall is the old story you hear of the, of the two hunters up in Canada who were hunting for moose and they were putting their camp together in the morning when they looked up and saw a huge grizzly bear charging them through the forest. One guy got up immediately, began to run. The other guy reached for his running shoes and began to put him on his feet. And his friend hollered out to him. He said, he said what are you doing? You, you, are you crazy? You can't outrun a grizzly bear. And he said very practically, I know, but I only have to outrun you. And that's a practical response. All I do is outrun you. You're the one that gets eaten. I'm not. So the idea behind being practical, again, it, it has good action to it, but it doesn't always come accompanied with a lot of hope. But then there's a faith-based response. And a faith-based response doesn't work against practicality. It actually can strengthen and work in, in tandem with it. I love what David said. David was, uh, was king in Israel. And he said, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. 
He's saying that, and David understood pressure. David understood threats. David understood coming under uh, the gun because he literally did. His life was in danger. And so he, he's saying that we have something here. That it gives me the strength to face a problem. I don't have to deny it. I have the strength to face it. It gives me a place of refuge to go in the middle of my fears. I'm not just left out standing alone. I actually have a place where I can go and take refuge. He said, I'm going to you and in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. And then it has an element of action to it, an element that says, well, I've got, I've got hope and I've got an expectation that even my actions are gonna turn out well because I have an expectation in you that when these things are over, I'm still gonna be standing. So it's a, it's a, there's natural responses and there's faith-based responses. And you say, well, well, what do you do? Which one do I choose? I suggest you choose both. We just had, uh, just recently this year, we've had two birthday parties this year that I've gotten to attend. One of them has been a frozen birthday party. The other one has been a Paw Patrol birthday party. And you can obviously tell that I have young grandchildren. And the Paw Patrol was for my grandson, Grant. And it was a happy time. He enjoyed his Paw Patrol birthday party, enjoyed the cake. He was three. So you, you know how it is at that age. But I can't, I can't help but think as I watched him at that birthday party, how three years earlier, on the day he was born, it was, it was, it was a calamity. My daughter, Christina, had to have just an emergency C-section and Grant went immediately into NICU and he was there in NICU for, for a couple of weeks. And I remember that, that the doctors, pragmatic, practical, but they weren't giving us much hope. But we didn't remove ourselves from the doctors. We let medicine do all it could do. But thank God we had a place to go. Thank God we had a place to run for refuge because right in the middle of, of that situation and in the middle of the doctors not giving us good news, we had a place to go and we could go to God and he, he gave us verses and things and we kept speaking verses and words of life over Grant and believing God that he somehow would come through this situation and that calamity passed us by and he's in good shape. He's sharp as he can be and God has blessed him and he's a happy, healthy normal little boy. See, faith doesn't have to work apart from practicality. We work with the doctors. We weren't against them, but they work together. And so during these times, and especially during challenging times, sometimes people throw up their hand and go, we're just going to trust God. Sometimes people say, well, we can't trust God. We've got we've to do something. And the answer is yes, we can do both. Great example of this in the Bible. And one of the kings of Judah, whose name was Hezekiah, a great biblical character, he, he, he does great things. He was faithful. He sought God. He's just, he was a good man. He was instituting reforms throughout the entire nation, just doing a marvelous job. And even in the middle of that, he got attacked. And you see the, the mix of practicality and faith. We'll read a story here in 2 Chronicles. After these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs, which are outside the city, and they helped him. 
Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? And he strengthened himself and built up all the wall that was broken. And he raised, raised it up to the towers and built another wall outside. Also, he repaired the Milo in the city of David, and he made weapons and shields and abundance. Now, this is a great response. It's a great natural response that when he saw the king Sennacherib was coming, Hezekiah, the one thing you love about it, he didn't panic. I mean, he saw there was a threat. He didn't deny it. He didn't panic. He didn't freeze. But he began to do some things that were wise. For one thing, he made it harder on his enemy. He said, we're going to cut the water off, which is really smart. Every army needs, needs water. So he, he cut off a supply chain to the enemy. He said, we're going to make it harder. Why should they come and find a lot of water? We're going to make it tough on them. So he cut that off. And then it said he strengthened himself. He began to repair walls that were broken down. He built up walls that needed to be built. And then he strengthened all the fortifications around the city and provided shields and weapons in abundance. And that was smart. A lot of wisdom in that. I mean, but he looks like a man who is getting ready to take his nation to war. He's preparing his nation for a fight. But wait, there's more. He didn't stop there. He didn't stop simply with the practical side of things. Hezekiah began to do something where he began to have a faith-based response as well. He was practical, but now he's also going to bring God into this situation. Let's continue to read. Then he set military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city gate, and gave them encouragement, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And all the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. And I like this part. So here's the faith response. He already did all this preparation, but then he didn't stop there. Then he stopped and he gathered the people and he began to give them encouragement. I like the fact that his words were very decisive. They weren't hesitating. They weren't halting. They were decisive. They were clear. And then we see what Hezekiah begins to speak. Now, from what we can understand, God had done nothing to this point. So Hezekiah is only speaking what he believes in his heart. And so he begins to speak these words. And these words encourage the people. In fact, they strengthened the people. First, he encourages them. He said, be strong and courageous. I like what Joy shared today. Thank God, take courage. He encouraged them, be strong and courageous. And then he gave them a reason to be strong and courageous. You know, it's one thing telling people to be strong. It's another thing to tell people, be strong. But now we've got a good reason for you to be strong. He said, because we got the Lord, our God on our side. He will help us. He will fight for us. We're not in this by ourselves. So encouraging the people to be strong and courageous was, was great, but then he gave them a reason to do it. And then Hezekiah did something else I thought was just very unique. It's a powerful lesson for us to learn. He began to call their attention and their focus on what was not seen. You know, he talked about Sennacherib. He talked about the army. He said it's a great multitude. He did not spend a lot of time talking about how big they were, how many nations they defeated, how many men they had, how outnumbered they were. He just said there's an army and they're a big multitude. He said, but there are more with us than there are with them. So he brought the perspective into being that with God on their side, they were a majority. 
And I, and I love this. He said, all he's got is flesh, but we have God. We have the arm and the strength of God. And these words, these words of faith strengthened the people. The people were able to take strength from them. Now, I love that story because it gives us some great principles. You say, well, what happened? Well, you have to read the rest of the chapter. But spoiler alert, God delivered them and they came through. So you might want to read the rest. It's a fascinating chapter about how he dealt with the problem and how God helped them out of it. God's got a lot of different ways out of problems and he helped these people. So here's the, here's the big question for us. How do we take that practicality and faith and mix it together? It's not one or the other, it's both. So on the practical side, as we're dealing today, as we're dealing with the coronavirus, as we're dealing with the fear, as we're dealing with the problems, as we're dealing with all this stuff that we're having to deal with, what can we do? On the practical side, we'll do everything we can. I think we understand that I, I probably have washed my hands more than I've ever washed my hands in my life. And, and that's, that's okay. We need to we understand improving our hygiene. We understand that we're, we're doing uh, limiting social contact. We're wiping things down. We, we, we get that. That's something that we can do naturally. The fact that we're not having services is simply a natural, practical response to help stop this virus. So that, that's, that's the only reason that the government asked us to do that. We honored that. That's why we're not having services today. But there are some practical things that you can do. But let me add to that. Because we're, we're talking practical, but I, I really believe there's some practical things we can do in our own life. What Hezekiah did gives us a great pattern. He stopped something, he built something, he repaired something. I think during these times, when times go challenging, that's a great time to stop whatever you're doing in your life that's hurting you. If you're doing something that doesn't have a positive effect, it's not helping you, it's not moving you forward, it's a great time to stop it. I won't go into all the details. You, you know in your own heart what, what are some of the things that you go, you know what, I could stop doing that. And that would be a, a help to me. Maybe it's time to build your faith up. During, a, during these times, trust me, there's gonna be no sports zone. And unless you're binge watching a lot of Netflix, you can actually do something positive and build your faith up during this time. And you can spend time in the scriptures and that'll make a difference. So you can, you can begin to build something up. Another thing you can do is repair. Do you need to repair any relationships around you? Do you need to repair maybe your relationship with the Lord? It's so easy in life to get busy. It's so easy in life just to, just to kind of, man, we're rolling, we're rolling, we're rolling. And sometimes we realize, you know, my relationship with the Lord isn't quite what I want it to be, but I'm going to use this time to repair that and to mend that and to make it stronger. If I could encourage you on, the, on another practical side, in our relationships, this is a time, especially in challenging times, where we need to really get peace and not have strife. A number of years ago, my wife, Joy, was very, very sick. She had acute chronic pancreatitis. And she was, she was really sick and we were trusting and having to believe God for healing because the doctors did not give us any options. But I remember during that time, we, we believed it was gonna be very, very important that there was peace in our home. And that when things get tough and we're having to deal 
But with hell on the outside, we need to have heaven in our homes. Paul, when he wrote the church at, uh, in Rome, they were having disputes about what they could eat, what they couldn't eat. And all these disputes were going on and Paul wrote them. It's something I thought was very key. It applies to us today in Romans 14. It says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Make every effort. You can't make someone be at peace with you, but you can make an effort. And then mutual edification means this is a great time to build one another up. So these are the times that we use to build, to bring peace into the situation. That's practical. Here's another thing that's, that can kind of borderline on practical. It's the idea of practice information management. Now we've heard, I grew up with, with all the time management gurus, and now we're hearing another word, buzzword, attention management, how we, how we manage the, our focus and attention. But I've got another one for you. It's, it's information management. How are we managing the information that's coming into us? You see, it says words, Hezekiah's words strengthened. Words can strengthen or they can weaken. If Hezekiah's words can strengthen the people, then how much more can God's words strengthen us? Here's a great verse here in Psalms. It says, the proud have me in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. The verse before, and which, which actually was the verse I was looking for, but I won't fire my technical people or they'll cut this, this service off on me, was that says, your word has been my comfort and my affliction, for your word has given me life. See, there's words that are coming into us and they can either, either have life in them or they cannot have life in them. And so we need, to, we need to focus on what kind of input is coming in. Now, let me tell you something that will produce no negative side effects. If you actually spent more time during this time, some of you are not in work, some of you are, are working from home. If you have more time, you will have no negative side effects if you spend a little bit more time reading the scriptures. It will not have a bad effect on you. In fact, it will have a good effect on you. It can strengthen you. God's words can give us life. They can strengthen us. And so that's a great idea. During this time, information management, I'm going to put God's words in. Now, here's another one too. During this time, make sure your words are good, that your words are bringing strength, that your words are bringing life to the situation. So you want your words not to be talking about your fear, but you would rather have your words talking about what God is doing and God's helping you. And maybe you have a scripture or something that you're hanging on to, but we need to speak those words. Information management. What information are we putting out? What information is coming in? Now, let me just give you just a real practical advice. Be informed on this virus. Don't be inundated with this. The thing about it is, is guys, we've got a 24-7 news cycle. There's a lot of prophets of doom and gloom out there. There's a lot of people telling us how bad it's going to be. And even when we recover, it's going to be horrible. There's a lot of experts. They've got a news cycle they have to fill up. It will not kill you to not be conscious of what's going on for 24-7. You might just want to limit what's, what's coming in. Find out a little bit. Listen, if something major happens, I promise you that 15 people will text you before you ever get a chance to know what's going on because they will feed you the information you need to know. You don't have to just constantly inundate yourself with all this information during this time. 
I was just looking on a website the other day and it had someone talking about the horrifying effects of what the virus did to them. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know about everything that's going on on Italy. That might be some of Joy's relatives, but I don't care at this point in time. I, I just don't, I don't need to know. And so manage the information that comes in. Practice information management. Maybe the most important thing I can encourage you to do during this time, during these challenging times, is to bring God into the situation. You know, Hezekiah, he was practical, but then he brought God into it. So how do I, how do I bring God into this situation? How do I bring God into my situation? It's, I got a couple of simple things, but here's the, here's the deal. We remind ourselves that we have a relationship with a big, strong God. We have a relationship with the God who's more powerful than this virus. We have a relationship with him. And then that becomes the foundation for our strength and our courage. See, as we remind ourselves, you say, well, what's the best way to remind ourselves? One of the very best ways is actually what Joy talked about today when she said, give thanks and take courage. Give thanks. Well, I, I, I don't know that I can give thanks. Sure you can. If you don't have that virus right now, you can give thanks. If your family does not have that virus right now, you can give thanks. You can give thanks that good things are working behind the scenes, that God's working behind the scenes. And as you begin to give thanks to God, that will strengthen you. That will encourage you, but that's bringing God into it. You know, the psalmist said this. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Guys, listen, we're having a lot of fear magnified. We're having a lot of negativity magnified. I want to magnify the God that's bigger than the fear and the negativity. And as I do that, that's what's going to help me. So I'm going to magnify him. One of the best ways I can magnify him is to give him thanks. Said the, in fact, the psalmist said you can magnify him with thanksgiving. So as you begin to do that, that's going to help you. And you can, you can do that. You don't have to do it you know, out loud, but I would. If you have a, just a moment to yourself, just stop and say, thank you. Lord, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I'm strong. Thank you. I believe you're going to take care of me and my family. Thank you. Second thing we, we can do to bring God into the situation is focus on the unseen. See, the thing about this virus is we can't see it. It's unseen. I mean, it's not like we're walking out and the virus was spotted you know, over Houston. You can't see it. But you know it has effect and you know it's, it's powerful. But this is where we step in and begin to go, yeah, there may be an unseen virus that's powerful, but we have a God who's not seen and he's even more powerful than this virus. And he's working and he's working in our lives. We see his, you say, well, I, I can't see God. Yeah, you can see nature and you can see his hand in nature and you can see his hand in our life. Maybe your life has been changed. I'm telling you, God is at work and he's still working now. And we focus on what's not seen. The virus may be natural, but we've got a supernaturally powerful God who can do something about this situation. We're going to focus on what's not seen. Every Sunday, we like to give a parenting tip. So here's a great parenting tip for all of you parents. Right now, your children are watching you, especially if they're home, if they're small. And sometimes if they're not so small, they're watching you. You have a voice in their life. Your example, your voice, your words are, are can either, they can build them or weaken them. This is not a time to tell them about how bad this is and how afraid they need to be. This is the time when I, I strongly encourage you to bring out Psalms 91. 
and bring that song and read it for your family. Maybe you've never had family devotions. Well, okay, but we've never had faced the coronavirus before. So it's a great time to make a change and say, you know what? I'm going to do this for my family. We're going to read this. And then I'm going to tell my kids, kids, we're going to trust God in the middle of this. We're going to believe that he can protect us. We're going to believe that he's a, a refuge for us. We're going to believe he's a safe place. So we can help our children. And this would be a time that I would encourage you parents, don't go silent. You don't have to know a bunch of scriptures. You can just tell them that you believe God's real and that God will help us and that we're going to come through that. The last thing is this. We need to remind ourselves that we're a, we're a persuaded people. We're, pers we're, we're a persuaded people. Paul wrote the Romans and in, in that church, he was writing them and he, was, and he said, he started talking about the things they were going through. And he said, tribulation and peril and nakedness and sword and all these things. He said, but he said, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he said something that we don't need to lose sight of. As a persuaded people, he says this in Romans 8. He said, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We need to be persuaded. That's a great thing to tell yourself. I'm persuaded that nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. No virus, no fear, no panic, no nothing. We've got a God who's powerful and we're his people and he loves us. And we can choose to come close. So nothing separates us. People may separate themselves from the love of God, but we can also choose to go, I am not separating myself from the love of God. I choose to believe he's helping me. I choose to believe he loves me. I'm a persuaded individual. And because I'm persuaded, that gives me the strength and the courage to face negative things and to face these times. But it's also a great time for me to say, Lord, this is a great time for me to come closer to you. A number of years ago, Joy was a preschool teacher and uh, she worked with two and three-year-olds. She said there was one little girl in her class. She wasn't the prettiest. She wasn't the smartest. She wasn't the most sparkling personality. But this little girl loved Joy and stayed right close to her. Every time Joy said she turned around, this little girl's right there. This little girl just stayed right by her side all the time. And Joy said, it wasn't that I was, I was trying to show favorites, but because this little girl was always there and always close, she got favor and blessings that sometimes the other kids didn't get because they were all playing around, but this little girl's staying right beside me. And I, when I heard that, I thought, man, that, that is, that's going to be me and God. I may not be the prettiest, the most talented, or the smartest, but I can walk close and I can stay with him. And that's where protection is. And that's where blessings are. And just because you, you, we come close, because nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. Now, if you're here, well, actually, if you're online today, I'm hoping that all my staff knows the Lord. If they don't, they'll come and tell me this afterwards. <laughs> But if you're here, if you're online today watching this and you go, you know what? I, I don't know that I've ever connected with the love of God. I don't know that I've, I've ever made that, that connection to come close to him. Or maybe you're like I was at one time in my life where I, I just walked away from God and I realized I need to come close again. So we're going to do something. We're going to say a prayer. I'm going to have the staff say this prayer with me. We just simply call it a yes prayer. It's not a prayer to join the ark. 
It's not a prayer to be a part of this church, but it's, it's a connection prayer where you can pray this and the Lord will hear you and you can make that connection. So if you'll bow your head, just bow your head with me there and we're gonna, we're gonna pray this together as a staff. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because I've said yes to you. Now listen, we haven't done this before. We encourage people when they're here that they can, they can fill out a card. Obviously you can't. But if you would like to contact us through arc.info, put in a prayer request, let us know that you made a decision that you came back to the Lord. We're going to rejoice with you. We're going to pray for you. And so th this is an important thing. And during this time, we pray that you will sense his peace and his goodness. We are praying for you. And before I close this, this online broadcast, which happens to be our first, let me close it with a blessing. In the Old Testament, the priests would stand up and they would bless the people. And the Lord said, if you'll bless them, he said, and put my name on them, he said, I will bless them. So let me bless you today before we, before we close. It's a blessing out of number six. Now the New Living Translation, it says, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.